Your first eight guys maybe should be blue plate specials, but those back five guys, they should be more like tin hats, more guys that are grunt players, garbage players that dive for the ball. You are listening to the Scrambled Eggs Podcast on CrackedSidewalks.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome into Scrambled Eggs, your unofficial Marquette basketball podcast here on CrackedSidewalks.com. Joe McCann and Phil Bush uh, in person. Phil, we've been doing this podcast for what? Like almost 10 years yeah, now. Yeah, almost 10. Nine, nine and a half. Yeah, and I think this, how many times have we actually done a podcast where we were in the same room at the I same time? I want to say three. Yeah, like it's definitely a, a one-hand counter. It, it's uncomfortable <laughs> and I don't care for it and we're not going to make it a habit. Yeah, so anyway, I was in Milwaukee uh, this week and I figured, if we, well, we haven't done a podcast uh, in three months and I figured, well, we were, so we were overdue for one and I guess it... Part of that, Phil, no news is good news. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, mm-hmm. one reason we haven't had a podcast in a while is there hasn't been, like, a ton of noteworthy things going on with Marquette basketball to make, like, a full podcast. And in some respects, that's good news. There haven't been guys leaving the program, which I think is good news. Correct. Right. We, we were used to, in the, uh, in the past, uh, the months of April, May, and June were uh, somewhat chaotic, and uh, so we we had we potted with more frequency, and I think now we're uh, we're lulled into a s- false sense of uh, of normalcy because we're we're not having to pod all that much. So it's been uh, uh, it's been nice, but I think it's probably time to get uh, back on the old you know audio bandwagon and, and talk about some stuff. Yeah, so I feel like almost starting like a uh, previously on <laughs> yeah, but before we get going with it, but uh, so. Basically, the last time we potted was when the season ended, just Correct. after the yep. NCAA tournament, or after Marquette's part of the NCAA tournament. Anyway, so yeah, we, th- we blacked out that North Carolina part. <laughs> I don't even remember who they played in their mm. last game. Uh, no idea what the score was. So we'll basically go over the comings and goings, and there haven't been that many, to be honest. The only thing that uh, I guess the most noteworthy thing we've been waiting on, Phil, was the decision of Justin Lewis uh, whether he would stay or go, and this is something we talked about. You know, we just speculated about as the season was winding down. I think you and I were kind of in agreement, and I think as many fans were, that Justin would probably go. It was Mm -hmm. probably the right time for him. He took it all the way to the deadline day. Left left us with hope. Yeah, so, like, that's the thing. Like, the longer he waited, the more I thought, is he coming back? And as there were some other high-profile guys who, maybe not high-profile, but guys of his similar stature in the mm-hmm. draft who were going back to school. Like, wow, there are some really right, good players right. going back to college basketball next year. Maybe maybe Justin didn't like what he heard, but and he, he ended up, he did go. And, um, you know, I th- like people are now debate, the debate shifts, is this a good decision or not? And I, I think the interesting thing about that is different people will tell you different answers on what makes it a good decision. Right. Like some people will sit here and tell you, well, if he doesn't go in the first round, he made a bad decision. And some people tell you if he is paying, playing professional basketball anywhere next year at all, it was a good decision. So I, I'm somewhere in between there. I, I think I think it's fine that he, I think he will be in the NBA next year. Maybe a two-way contract. Uh, I don't think he's going in the first round. Maybe he will. I, I've been surprised before. But uh, it, it probably felt like a right just about the right time. I don't know how much higher he would go next year. Maybe he could have gone a little higher if, if he came back, but I don't think he was going to be a lottery pick next year. Uh, no. It, I, well, here's the thing. One, I don't know how much Duck duck Tacos was going to pay next year. <laughs> um, so, like, he's got NIL possibilities. And, of course, you know, the, the Travis Diener-led organization now is, is hopefully, 
gonna gonna create some NIL opportunities for Marquette student athletes. Um, but like, here's the thing: like, he was at this kind of crossroads because if he waits another year, there's not a ton he can do next season to make himself that much more valuable. That sets off that that offsets. He's a year older, right? The NBA drafts on potential. They draft draft on talent plus youth. Right. As he gets older, um, uh, he he gets less and less attractive, regardless of kind of how he kind of like progresses. And Johnny Juzang is the is the the case in point, right? Like he was the um, he came back. He's coming back now for his senior year, right? You know, and he was, you know, he, he probably should have gone his sophomore year like Justin Lewis did this year, um, but came back for his junior year and, and clearly isn't hearing anything enticing for his NBA career. So came back for his senior year. And I think something similar would have happened with Justin. So regardless of where Justin goes, I don't know that next going next year would have been any better than that. Yeah, maybe a little better. Like, let's say. Potential. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, could he have won Big East Player of the Year, got Marquette in the tournament, uh, improved the jump shot a little bit, maybe secured a first round? Sure. But, yeah, I don't think he's going lottery if he right. were to come back. Like, I, I I think he would rather just let's be a pro for a year. I, I, I My prediction is he'll probably be on a two-way contract somewhere. Um, two-way contract being, you know, half the year in the G League, half the year with the NBA. I think that's what Marcus Howard started on with the Nuggets. Yep. And now I think he's I think he's full-time Nuggets. He uh, is now, so. yep. Sam Hauser was a two-way with the Celtics. Yeah, so I, I think that's where Justin's going to end up going. And I, I hope he's a good pro. We wish him well, of course. Uh, so obviously, selfishly, we would have loved to have him another year at Marquette. But right. uh, got to turn the page. So Justin's moving on. Good luck to him. The draft is coming up next week. The tw- uh, the twenty third, I believe, is the date, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. Uh, so the week after the finals, but so that's coming up. We'll keep an eye on that and see where he ends up. Who knows? Maybe he'll be a Milwaukee Buck. Oh, that uh, would be amazing. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I don't feel it. Right, we'll we'll see. So who is coming back? Mostly everyone else. The only right. other departure, um, I, I guess, it would say was a bit an expected departure. Greg Elliott is using his extra year of eligibility, but not at Marquette. Sure. He uh, and I think that was kind of anticipated because he went through senior day ceremonies and everything. And mm-hmm. he always talked like, "This is my last game at the Fiserv. This is my last game in this jersey." Did senior day, so I don't think anyone was really expecting him to come back to Marquette. I don't think any many people were expecting him to be a college basketball player for another year. I thought I thought a lot of people assumed. Maybe he would just move on with his life. He's been in college five years already, but he's going to be at Pitt next yes, year. Yes, so. which is interesting. I, I I don't know. I didn't see that for him. I see. I saw him more of a uh, going the Jamal Kane route, where he went down a level, yeah, right, and, and was kind of more the man. Like you're going to be a just a guy at Pitt, you know. So, so I don't know. But that. But then every. But then. But beyond that, there were no transfers out at. When was the last time that? Happened? That last time at the time we're recording this, mm. no no transfers out. I should clarify that. But I think this late in the summer would be surprised if there were any because you're past the deadline to right. uh, get the immediate year of eligibility. Correct. So no transfers out at the moment we're recording this. Uh, one notable transfer in is a guy I want to talk about briefly. It's not like I've seen him play very much, except for a YouTube clip here and there, is Zach Wrightsill. He is a transfer from Loyola, New Orleans. He was the division three or division two player of the year. 
uh, at Loyola New Orleans. And this is an interesting thing. He, he is actually a super senior, so this is his last year of eligibility. Right. Um, but you know, the interesting thing about a transfer like this, Phil, is, yeah, he crushed it at the level he was at last year. But, like, if he would have gone from the from Division two. Or, yeah, it was NAIA. That's yeah, what it was. NIA, yeah. yeah, so so that's below Division two to below Division three. Uh, if he had gone from NAIA to the Atlantic Sun, that's a step up. Mm-hmm. Going from NAIA to the Big East, what can we realistically expect? I think is it could go any number of ways. Right. He could be maybe he was truly overlooked and never uh, just got the proper opportunity at Division one school, and he's going to be a very good player. Or he may be completely overwhelmed at this level. I have no idea what to expect of Zach. I, I don't either. And and just from a body type or a a physical makeup, like it's an interesting challenge, right? Because in NIA and NAIA, right. he was you know probably one of the taller you know players. He I think he's six seven six eight, right? Like he kind of listed six seven two hundred five, right? So so he's he's a lanky. Somewhat tall, but he's now automatically, you know, so he was probably the tallest player on his NAIA roster. And now he's going to be, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth tallest player on the roster, right? Like he's going to yeah. be, you know, Oso's taller. Ben Gold is taller. Omax is pro- taller. And I think that's it. Uh, oh, Kenye? Uh, 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 Atijere is also taller. So right. yeah, he would be the fifth tallest player on the right, team. Right. So that automatically slots him from a center type position to like potentially even a wing. Yeah. Right. Like he's he's at best a power forward. He's a 3 4 probably. Yeah, he's a 3 know. 4, which, you know, that's a different skill set. And I, I mean, good for him. But I think I think the variance on, on Wrightsill is going to be you know, interesting to see, right? Like, again, could be could be just, like, he really developed, Shaka develops him further when he comes here. He really plugs in and, and really takes over that 3-4 that spot. Um, or it could be, you know, or it could be a bust. I, I mean, it's really hard yeah. to predict. Yeah, I don't know what kind of... I, I, I'm just scanning his bio. I'm not seeing much on shooting numbers, so I don't know how much of a shooter he is. Because if he can't shoot, he's not going to play on the right. perimeter. But, uh, you know, most of his stats, as you alluded to, Phil were suggested as a post player. He averaged 18.7 points, 8.8 boards, and three and a half assists per game uh, in his NAIA National Player of the Year right. season. So basically 19 and 9. Uh, the, 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 the rebounds are the intriguing thing, right? right. Like I think this Because this was a terrible rebounding team yes, last year, so can he add that? Right, correct. So it's, I, I mean, scoring is always nice, right? But it's more so can he rebound, defensive rebound and offensive rebound. If he can take his nine boards a game from the NAIA and turn it into six or seven in the Big East, you know, or five or six, right? Like, and the thing is, who knows how the minutes are going to work out? Right. Because again, we're talking about an NAIA player. With all due respect, moving up to the Big East, mm-hmm. is he immediately taking away minutes from guys like Oso and Omax or David Joplin? Or are those guys just going to be so good? Like. Not sure how many minutes we have available for Zach because right. I mean it's easy it's much easier to get nine points a game nine boards a game when you're playing 35 minutes as opposed right. to you're playing 12 minutes right so I don't know what realistically he's going to get because I I don't know how he compares to the guys we already have on the roster well, and, I, and how does he hold up defensively as well right right like I mean you, you, I mean if you're a great rebounder this team needs it so I see him getting minutes if he can really excel at the rebounding piece. But it's get defense is gonna matter no matter what, mm-hmm. right? Like those defense and rebounds are gonna matter the, to a Shaka-led team, and so he has potential for those. 
But again, the variance is high. We don't know what translating from, you know, probably guarding a 6'6 guy, right. you know, for, you know, his entire career to now all of a sudden he's playing on the wing, you know, playing against guys with a quicker first step, ball handlers, shooters. Like, I don't, I don't know what that looks like. Like, it's, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll be very intrigued to those early games, those exhibition games. Like, who's getting, like, who's starting? That's kind of where I want to get to next is this is the team we're running with. But, like, is he getting a lot of minutes? Is he getting mm. starters minutes? Or is he more a fill-in-a-gap-on-the-bench type guy? Because who knows? He could yeah. be, he, he, the, the variance is wide here. He could right. be anything from a shocking all-Big East-type player to the 11th guy on the bench. Right. Well, and you got to think of, again, it's, it's, he's one year in the system. So if you're Shaka, you've got to be bringing him in thinking, hey, I plug him in and we're good to go. Right? Yeah. That's got to mean something. I mean, he's not here to develop. He's only got one year left. So, right. Yeah. He's, he's spending this summer developing and then it is what it is. Right? So that, that I mean, if you look at it from that perspective, may, maybe he's going to be good, but you got to believe Shaka's like got a plan here. I, I don't, I honestly like... It's, it's probably not a fair comp, but it's where my mind goes. Like, when I see him and, like, just kind of his size and what thinking, I think, like, Trent Blackledge. Okay. Like, like, just lankier, like, maybe a little bit of highlight reel, but just never really. Like, I just don't think this is based on other than YouTube clips. There's no, like, direct evidence. I just don't think. I think he's going to be, like, a 10 minutes per game guy. Like, I don't think it's going to be a lot. And, and- Maybe that might be enough, depending on what you're getting from everybody else. And mm-hmm. that's kind of the big question is, okay, so Justin Lewis is gone. Right. Uh, 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 Kirkweth has graduated. Daryl Marcel has graduated. Mm-hmm. Greg, Greg Elliott has graduated and moved on. So this is the team we have. Right. Um, as we, we have a few freshmen coming in. Uh, ben Gold just arrived on campus. He was the last signee. I think all the freshmen are now on campus, including uh, Chance Ro- Chase Ross and uh, Sean Jones. So those are the three freshmen. And then on top of that, we have uh, the transfer in with uh, with Zach that we were just talking about. So four new faces. And Justin Lewis out, and then those other guys I mentioned are also out. Uh, how do you see the roster shaping up as far as... I mean, I, some guys coming back, you would figure would get similar minutes to the minutes they got last year, like Tyler Kolek is probably right. getting similar minutes. Um Omax is probably getting similar minutes. Right. You would assume a step up in minutes for Oso. Okay, he correct. might be sliding into the. M- m- I would say the Kirk Queth minutes, but he he, he almost he, he, he almost he, had more minutes yes. than Kerr did in a lot. So he's basically not sharing the center position as much as he did last year. He's probably just the primary right. big, and it's on Atijere and Wrightsill to maybe relieve him there. But how do you see the rest of those minutes shaking out with Morcel and Lewis and Elliott moving on? Yeah, it, it's a tough call. Like, I, I think I'm a big uh, I, I'm a big Stevie Mitchell guy, right? So I think I think Stevie Mitchell's going to get a lot of minutes. I think... De- oh. No, I said he's very strong at the end of the year, Stevie, right. yeah. Yeah, and, like, very strong defensively can in, initiate the offense. I think there's probably, I, I think you probably can't play Tyler and Stevie together. I mean, maybe Tyler can play off the ball, but, but you really want Tyler to be a creator in the pick and roll, mm-hmm. um, you know, or a shooter in the pick and roll as well. So you probably can't play Stevie and Tyler together. So, so they're probably split in time at the one, two. Um, you know, it's interesting. The team has gotten younger 
but they've actually gotten in aggregate they've got more experience yes you know so it's like it's like I, you know i think it's going to be a problem of depth versus the starting lineup right like oso i think plugs in really really well right like we know what he is if he can develop any sort of jump shot yeah, and I like to see his hands a little better too. Right, um, those two things I think for Oso to take that next step to being a pro prospect or right. hands and expanding out to the perimeter a little bit. Right, and, well, and you know, and Tyler, if you look at his shooting, as long as he's not like stepping into a shot, like his shooting off, you know, coming off a screen or or you know, catch and shoot, much better than. Yeah, that's why when you said a minute ago, like Stevie and Tyler together. Like, because Tyler was a much better shooter off the ball at George Mason right. uh, than his one year at Marquette. But as you said, the offense was at its best this past year when Tyler had the ball in his hands and was creating and right. was getting paint touches and throwing lobs to Kerr or kicking it out to uh, Justin Lewis or whoever. But it, it, I think it is Tyler's a very interesting guy to figure out for mm-hmm. Shaka and the team this summer is where is he best? Because we don't want to take away everything he did well last year. Right. But we, I'm sure they would also like to find ways to get him to do things better, like you were saying, shooting. Right. Uh, his shooting numbers were way down last year from what they were at George Mason, and you would like to see those come back up. So, like, I don't know if you want to move him off the ball entirely just to move those shooting numbers up, because then you lose those assist numbers. Right, right. And and he's the, he's the creative he's the creative force, right? But, so again, I don't think... I don't think it's a case of of Steve Stevie and and Tyler playing together. I think there's probably going to be like between the two of them, you know, there's going to be some. I, I don't see Stevie playing off ball. So right, like so when he's in, he's going to be the point guard, and there's going to be a little bit of Tyler being off ball. Um, but then when when Stevie's not in, I think Tyler's going to be the the starting point guard. I mean, is there a third point guard on this roster? Point guard, probably not. I mean, Ellis probably figures as a combo. Right. Uh, you know, Cam Jones is definitely a shooting guard. Uh, he's probably looking at similar minutes, probably a slight uptick next mm-hmm. year with, with Greg Elliott gone. The, I mean, the ability to he showed last year to hit big shots uh, right. and also just be a volume shooter at times was fascinating to be the least. And mm-hmm. a, another step forward for him I think is very interesting for me. I think, I, I think Cam could be an all-Big East player by the time his time at Marquette is done. Um, but yeah, I, well, I mean, the thing is, then there are the freshmen. You say, is there another point guard, uh, with, uh, Sean Jones coming in? I mean, he's, he's a little guy. So you figure he slots in as a point guard. How many point guard minutes would he get as a true freshman? I don't know about that. Chase Ross, he's probably off the ball. He's probably, he's a two, two, three. So he's a six, four, one eighty five. So yeah, he's going to probably be off the ball. You would assume. So, but yeah, I think primary point guard minutes have to be Mitchell and Kolick. Right. And, you know, and, and like, I mean, how many, how much of an impact do you think the freshmen are going to make? Right. Like, I, I, I mean, when I look at it, this is no disrespect, but when I look at the incoming freshmen, I think they're, they're going to develop into key players, mm-hmm. but I don't see anyone. And I'm including right in this. I don't see anyone that's coming in of the new crop. That's like, yes, they big impact guy right there. I say that a lot about freshmen, and I'm wrong a lot lately because <laughs> uh, I did not expect much of Cam Jones last year. Heck of a player. Right. Like, I mean, he had a strong role last year. I didn't expect a whole lot of Stevie Mitchell, and he really didn't play a ton until the end of the year. Right. But I think he started to show flashes of what made him a top, whatever he was, 75 or so prospect. Yeah. Excuse me. So, uh, like, 
yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to say it again, but I think I'm going to be wrong again, is I don't expect a ton from the freshmen this year. But I bet there will be one that surprises us. Maybe two. Right. Uh, but I think one of them may find a role, especially, you know, you hope not, but if there's injuries or a suspension, which we had last yes, year. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, like, Greg Elliott had to sit out a few games. But there may be a guy who capitalized. That's kind of what how Cam Jones got his opportunity early was when, when Greg, Greg Elliott yeah. had to sit out for a few games and – Cam got some minutes, and like, God, this guy can shoot. Right. Like, well, like I don't know if he would have gotten those minutes early on. Yeah. Uh, without that, so there may be a guy, like maybe a guy like Chase Ross or Sean Jones or even Ben Gold surprise us. Because um, in Ben's case, there are minutes available there in the middle behind Oso. If they mm-hmm. don't automatically go to a Tijere, uh, I think a Tijere and Gold are probably fighting for minutes right now. Right. So he could be a guy who could get opportunities, especially if Oso has foul trouble in early games. So I think there will be a first, but I can't tell you who it's going to be. I, I right. don't know. I, I think the thing I struggle with is there's not an obvious shooter. Right. right? Like uh, of the, like if there was someone that could come in and bang away at threes and like, I, I see the, the, you know, the, that freshman who can shoot, I could see them getting minutes, but like, Everyone I see is a bit of a slasher who can also shoot. Now, again, they can develop and progress and stuff like that. But I think what this team really needs is more more reliable three-point shooting. And I don't see that out of the incoming freshmen just yet. Yeah, it's hard to find shooting percentage numbers on freshmen. Plus, even if you can find them, you don't know how they're going to translate when you're mm-hmm. stepping up a level and you are got bigger defenders in your face right. and you're also maybe a, a few steps further back than you were used to in high school. But... I mean, these freshmen, they could have been 45% shooters in high school, and I wouldn't know because right. I can't, I can't right. find it. I don't think they were that high, but I guess we'll find out uh, how they translate to the next level. But So and I think the other thing people are wondering now, Phil, all right, so Justin Lewis is gone. It Just based on rotation minutes last year, a natural replacement, I don't not to put it all on him, but a natural replacement for at least some of those minutes has to be David Joplin. Yep, the Jop wagon. Yeah, he... He looked great in stretches, and there were some stretches where maybe he looked overwhelmed, especially defensively out mm-hmm. there. But I, he, you see the skill set, and you see the size, and you see the shooting ability. Uh, I, I think that is one of probably the X factors for next year is how big of a step forward can Joplin take in his sophomore year? Right. Uh, is it just a baby step, or is it a leap with more minutes? Well, yeah, it's, it's going to come down to how well Shaka develops him, right? right? Because I, there is a skill set there. That is a position. That's probably the biggest position of need. Like you know, you might maybe right still plays some there as well. Maybe and Ben Ben Gold maybe when we're playing a big lineup, something like that. Um, so so it's really going to come down to, you know, how well are the players that are on the roster prior to the freshmen? How well are they developing? Because I think Joplin is probably, being honest. Um, is probably the most important player in terms of how well Marquette's season's going to go, good or bad, right? Like Maybe. You know, like, if you look at the roster of what we have, all right, let's assume a minimal freshman impact. You know, Tyler is, Kolick is what Kolick is. Stevie Mitchell's got potential. Um, you know, you, you know what Oso is, right? You know what those those folks are, but... but um, you know, David Joplin with the removal of Justin Lewis you know, is going to make the, you know, in terms of scoring efficiency, defense, all of that stuff. He's got a lot of he's got a lot of room to, to fill fill the position. And if and if he cannot, you know, be what, 
60, 70% of Justin Lewis, it's going to be a problem. Yeah, I, I think one of the, if I remember correctly, one of the storylines in uh, preseason camp last year was Shaka pushing David uh, fitness-wise. Yes. That, that he was a little behind some of the others as far as, Whatever they were demanding as far as running, like running a mile or whatever. Yeah, you had to run. You had to run the uh, the parking garage. Okay, so whatever which is a mile, but you have to go uphill, obviously. Yeah, but whatever the time was, he was lacking at the beginning, and right. Shaka was really pushing him. It's like you got to get here if you're going to play, and David got there. Right, and so he. Uh, the, I imagine there will be a similar push this off season. I don't know mm-hmm. what it would be, but uh, fitness and mobility are probably areas where David can improve. And but and the but you saw at times just that ability to shoot the ball. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. When, whenever Justin's gone, he can bring that. Right. And you're hoping he is bringing that. But uh, to take a step forward, we'll need to see a little more on both ends of the floor. And right. I, I think he can get there because I think he is a nice looking prospect. But uh, I, I think everyone has to take a step forward, generally speaking. Right. Uh, but for Marquette to be competitive, but the Big East is. Probably as wide open as it's mm. ever been. I yeah. mean, one of a hundred things that have happened since we last podcasted. Uh, Jay Wright stepped down to Villanova, of course. They have a new coach. Sean Miller is in at Xavier. Um, Thad Mata is in at Butler. Yep. Uh, Shaw Holloway is at uh, Seton, Seton Hall. Hall. So uh, there's been some turnover. There's some really good coaches coming into the league. A couple coaches who have already won at a high level mm-hmm. in this league. Uh, in but and then. Uh, the giant at the top, Villanova, has a new man in charge. That culture is still there, but Dapper J is gone. Right. So you wonder how they're going to be affected. It was it. Do you think it was because he didn't want to wear suits anymore? Yeah, I, I think he that was his superpower. Right. Yeah. He, he, he He's just, like, I can't wear suits anymore. The pandemic's ruined the suit wearing, yeah. and now, now I must leave. Yeah. So very sad. Very very sad. But we move on. And but like if Marquette can overachieve again, like as Marquette overachieved a bit last year, yeah, I think they can be in the mix with some of the better teams in the mm. league. But if the youth is an issue, I, I could see a lot of teams kind of zooming past Marquette this year, and they I think they could be struggling middle to bottom. Uh, I now if you look nationally, I think a lot of uh, pundits have said when Justin Lewis left, I saw a few like, oh well, Marquette's probably bottom third of the league. I don't know if I would put them that low necessarily. But I don't know if I can make a great case right now that Marquette is a top four team in the Big East or anything. But I'm not going to say that's an, a ridiculous possibility either. We, well, so here, here's the deal. So, like, I think the Big East overall is going to be down, right? Like, with all the new – yes, the new coaches coming in have won in different places. But, but you're talking f- four new – four brand-new coaches, you know, in year one. And, yeah, maybe you can, you know – Maybe you can replace and start to rebuild on the fly and that sort of stuff. But, you know, Thad Mata hasn't recruited in six years. Yeah. And Shaw, Hollow- Shaw Holloway hasn't recruited at this level ever. You know, yes, he was an elite assistant at at, uh, at Seton Hall. But, right. But, but he's not been the head coach at this, you know, at this level. And Kyle Neptune, like, where was he before he was at uh, 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 For- Foreman, right? Fordham. Fordham. Yeah, 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 that's where he was, yeah. Yeah, so he's at Fordham. So, again, a head coach, but not exactly recruiting, you know, in the waters that, that Villanova does. But he did keep all of Jay's recruits, that's which true. is notable. Mark Armstrong and uh, Cam Whitmore, who are playing for the USA U18 team right now. So there, right. there is talent at Villanova. Correct. And, and again, there's culture there, and culture yeah. eats eats a lot of things. <laughs> so, but but I think the, the, the Big East overall has a good po- potential to be down, 
So that that goes well for Marquette that, hey, maybe we can overachieve. But the thing that's really going to matter, so we talked about no transfers out, which is great, but we also didn't get a home run signing either. No. Right? Like, and, and you're... You know, you're replacing a Justin Lewis, so you're counting on the the develop and and grow from within, which I'm totally fine with. I'm not I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but on paper, I get why people are saying Marquette is likely to finish low. Right. There wasn't a wow that's right. coming in, and like there have been a couple articles written. Uh, including, I think Ben Steele had one at the Journal Sentinel not too long ago about Shaka's culture. Is that, and I think it kind of is in a way a shadow of what Jay Wright did at Nova. Is he wants three, four year players, mm-hmm. right? He's not like he doesn't like necessarily want to live in the transfer portal. He'll he'll go in there, of course, if right. he has to, because he's gone in there the past couple of years and gotten guys. But um, he he wants guys who he he loves to get a a high school freshman, a right. guy like. Cam Jones and hopefully have him for three or four years right. and see what he can do in that time. And if you can get to the point where you have, say, eight guys on your team who are either freshmen or juniors who have been with you that whole time, those are the kind of teams that go deep in March. Right. Like as as sexy as it is to have the five star freshmen, the one and dones, those guys who are going in the lottery. There have not been like an overwhelming amount of success postseason wise from teams that depend on those one and done guys. Right. Like there's the, the the two exceptions would be that Kentucky team that had Anthony Davis and MKG uh, and Devin Booker was on that team. I think mm-hmm. um, that that team was, was loaded. They won the national title or Carl Anthony towns. Well, that was a few years later. That was the team that got upset by Wisconsin, but still that that was a good team. But then the other exception was the uh, of course the Duke blue devils who Right, beat the Wisconsin team that beat that Kentucky team right. that had Jaleel Okafor and uh, Jones and of course Grayson Allen. So th- those were the two like notable exceptions of teams that were driven by one and done guys mm-hmm. uh, and like loaded five star freshmen. Like that, of course that 2015 that Kentucky team probably should have won the title, but they just didn't. Right. But general to, to the greater point is a lot of teams that win these titles do have a lot of experience. This right. like for example. I mean, Bill Self gets one-and-done guys at Kansas, but this team that he had this past year that won the title was not full of one-and-done guys. Right. He had a few guys that had been in the program two or three years. He had a Remy Martin who was in his fifth college, fifth year of college. Uh, that Virginia team that won it all had plenty of experience. And Jay Wright's two teams that won it all had junior and senior right. leadership. So I, I think that's what Shaka's vision is for his own program. Yeah, he'll take a one and done if he gets one. He's not going to say, like, if right. there's, if there's right. a... F- no, thank you, I'm full. No. Yeah, he's not going to tell... If there's a five-star kid in Chicago or Milwaukee that says, I want to go to Marquette, Shaka will be like, come on down. Right. But So he's not going to say no to five-star guys, but I don't think he's go- he would like to just live that way and just always get guys who are going to be there one or two years. He would like to have... He would like to get old and stay old. Right. Well, and that and that's part of why he, you know, I'm projecting a little bit, but if you can speculate, but that's that's probably part of why he wanted to leave Texas, if you really think about it, right? Like Texas, you know, program status aside, the Texas fans and the Texas, you know, uh, boosters have an overinflated like, hey, bring in all the best players and we're going to roll the ball out and we're going to win. Right, like that's the Texas way. Right, yeah, like I mean, especially considering how many five-star kids do come out of Texas. Right, like, right. You should get all these. Yeah, guys. just just gather all the Texas kids and get them in the program, right. and you'll go win a bunch of games. 
and and I think that was ill foot fitting for for Shaka's approach, right? right? To 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 your point, Shaka wants to get old and stay old, right? And he wants he wants to develop and identify talent, bring it in. He's not looking for high variance talent. He's looking for hey, this guy's a top one hundred player or a top one fifty player, and we're going to turn him into a top seventy five player, right? And 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 ones that are going to play within the scheme or the structure. Um, so I, I I think you're right in that. And so that's what's going to be interesting is to see how this te- team develops in year two because he's still to a certain extent turning over the roster. Yep. You know, is. like like how like half the roster is not his roster. Hmm. Most of the rosters his roster at this point. I well, mean, I guess he re-recruited. If it, you count, he re-recruited. Yeah, like because he did have to re-recruit Cam and re-recruit Stevie Mitchell. And Oso. And, and Oso, but other so, than that, is I think it's all fresh faces because I don't think Wojo had a hand in anybody else on the roster. Yeah, that's true. That's so, true. So he's got his, his fingerprints are on like 75, 80% of the roster at this right. point. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So then, so then whatever the result of this roster is this season is is kind of, you know, this is what Shaka wants. Exactly. And you, when you look at it, you, you still do see a lot of freshmen and sophomores when you're looking down the right. roster. So hypothetically, if everyone uses all of their eligibility at Marquette, in two years, you should have a very veteran team right. uh, that is built in Shaka's image, and hopefully you have recruited at a strong level, and then maybe you might have really have something in a couple years here right. at Marquette. What we, do we have next year? I don't know. I, right. I, I, I hope we have a tournament team. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, I think that might. I don't know if it's 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 too high a bar to set right now. I'm just really not sure. Uh, yeah. But I, I, I mean, I I honestly, I I think my projection is is that I think the Big East is going to be down. I think Marquette will do fine in the Big East, right? Like a, a weakened Big East, and and gets a bid, but I don't I don't know that they'll do much with it because I think they're really a year away. I think that's probably accurate. You know, I think I think this is not the year where we go. Okay, this is what Shaka means. I think I really yeah. think a, a Shaka year three is when we start going. Okay, we got something. Yeah, as much as we want to get rid of that, haven't won a tournament game since thing. Right. Uh, I don't think next year's the year to do it. I hope it is. I'm with. Right. I mean, I'd be great if it was. Upsets happen. Right. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know if I want to put that on this team right now. I think I tend to agree with you there. Yeah, I just I. You know, and again, it's it's develop. It's a process. Uh, you know, I hate the phrase "trust the process," right? But like it it is a it is a development process for for Shaka. He's going to recruit players that fit the system. He's going to develop the ones they have. Hopefully, we're seeing. Which I mean, if you think about it, the fact that he had no transfers out when you've got an extra COVID year, you've got the transfer portal, you've got NIL, and that all dangling out there. I mean. That's that's a pretty you know positive sign that Shaka didn't lose any players. Yeah, you know? I mean, tech, like technically, Greg Elliott is a transfer out, but yes. that was a planned transfer Correct. out. Like I think that was a mutual. Like Shaka didn't lose anybody he was hoping to keep. Correct. The, like there was no one where Shaka was like, oh man, I really wish we could have kept him. I mean, yeah. Greg, I you know yeah. we're speculating wildly, but I think it was probably a, you know, listen, Greg, we've had a good run. We appreciate your time. I think. I think it's best for both parties. It's been a good five years. Right. We're building a young culture here. And like, I, I think long term, the program would benefit from more minutes of Cam Jones and Marion right. Ellis. Right. Uh, 
and see what we have with those guys. Well, and, and even, like, if you look at, like, Ellis, you bring up Ellis. That's a great example, right? He got, you know, kind of garbage minutes, right? Yeah. Like, he didn't, he didn't play much. Now, was he, like, a highly touted prospect? No. But I also think he was, you know, a little... He was probably, you know, his minutes are not reflective of kind of the, the probably the the prospect that uh, uh, that he probably thought he was, but but yeah, he's looking at this and saying, you know, maybe he's saying, hey, I you know I can develop here, I can I can be something here under Shaka, and like that's a that's a uh, a player, you know, Ella. We never like to speculate on transfers out or in or whatever. But like Ellis is an example of a player we might have lost in the past, right? Under previous regimes, and just, just I mean, just generally speaking, in college basketball, he's the right. type of player at any program, like right. the ele- the eleventh guy on the roster is kind of guy a guy you're kind of looking at. Eh, I could see him leaving, right? But I, I forget where I saw this, but I think I've said this before on the pod. But somebody wrote about Shaka after he was hired is something he does well is he makes that 11th and 12th guy on the roster feel important. Mm -hmm. Like, he doesn't isolate those guys or just ignore them at practice. And he stays on the uh, the 12th man as much as he does the all-conference player. And he makes everyone feel important. So I think guys like Ellis and uh, Atijere, who did not play at all last year, still feel important and still Mm -hmm. feel part of the team. It's like, all right, I I didn't play much, but I'm part of this team. And now... I want to take a step forward and keep growing. And so that's what they're back here to do in their sophomore year. So we'll see if that continues. We're only one year in here with Shaka Marquette. So we'll see what the transfer turnover is like over the next four or five years. But, you know, generally the average college basketball, like nationwide, I want to say is like two and change per program Mm -hmm. out every year. Right. So I guess Greg Elliott technically counts as one this year. Right. But the point is we'll, we'll see if Shaka's numbers are right around the average, below mm-hmm. that average, above that average, we'll see where he is. But um, we'll see if that little anecdote holds true, right. like how many guys uh, stick around and, and continue developing under Shaka. Wild, wildly speculative question alert, but do you think Shaka like, was trying to get some big transfers in and just didn't land them? Or do you think he was? it was more of a, it'd be nice, but if it doesn't happen, my my team's on the floor. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hard to answer that because right. uh, I'm sure there was definitely a part of him that was ho- hoping Justin Lewis might come back. Yeah. Even though, even though he maybe had an inkling that he was gone and probably felt that he likely was, he probably had to keep a scholarship open just in case. Because mm. what he didn't want to do is sign someone have Justin come back and then cut somebody. Right. Uh, yeah. No buzz cuts. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure he reached out. He's a fool if he didn't. Right. But uh, like how actively he was recruiting the top transfers. I, I don't know. I'm sure he tried. Right. Uh, but it, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. I don't know. I mean, there were some, I couldn't name off the top of my head, but there were some higher profile guys in the portal. Maybe not the best guys that were connected to Marquette. Uh, said, a lot of bigs. Yeah, a, lo- a lot of bigs. Um, there was the kid from Washington State who ended up staying. I forget his name. Gaier? Uh, it's spelled like Guy, G-U-E-Y-E. He stayed. Um, there were a couple guys who stayed in the draft. I know Courtney Ramey, just because he was, played for shock at Texas, there was contact. I don't think there was ever an offer. He ended up going to Arizona. He's a guard. Um, I'm sure there were some other guys, but 
I, to answer your question, I'm sure he'd probably tried and would have gladly taken any high impact big he could have gotten. Right. There just wasn't a fit. Um, right. There's a, like a, a delicate balance between adding just to add and uh, and adding quality. And maybe he just didn't see. Uh, he probably reached out to the guys that he thought would be quality ads and offered them and said, "Let's do this." And they, for whatever reason, either went to the draft or went elsewhere. And so he missed out on those. But he, I mean, he got Wrightsill, so that was right. the guy he targeted and, and got. But as far as the impact D1 transfers, again, speculative, as you said. I can't give you a definitive answer. I'm sure, other than saying, I am sure he tried because he's a fool if he didn't. Right. Well, but but again, I mean, I think it's important to note that, like, you, you keep a chair open for Justin Lewis to come back. Like You have to, yeah. You, you have to. And, like, Shaka's deal is not one that's, like, Oh, hey, Justin's back. Oh, I'm sorry, player X. We're going to have to go ahead and let you go. Like, go ahead and transfer, right? Like, because especially, because that's a double, you know, with with the way the, the, the transfer portal works and, you know, the NBA draft, if Justin comes back June 1st, like he did, like he basically was like, hey, I'm out June 1st, trying to get a player into the transfer portal and have them go out, to another team that's way behind the power curve for yeah. that player. So it's 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 hurting that player and and again whether whether this is how it played out or not, I like to think that Shaka is thinking long term in terms of like how do I treat the players and and taking a high risk of, you know, having to poleaxe or <laughs> buzz cut or what whatever it is a player in case Justin Lewis came back cuz I mean it, we, it, in hindsight, it looks like a foregone cl- conclusion that Lewis was gone. But like, he could have tested poorly in the draft camp. Yeah, you know, he could have he could have gotten some some feedback from teams saying, mm, "Man, we were you know we see in the fifties, but not not any higher than that." And there could have been a flood of guys going in ahead of him that right. maybe pushed him down in the draft. There could have been a lot of X factors, minor injury in camp that right. just wrecks his stocks. There could have been. A number of things. But, yeah, I think you do keep that open. But, you know, what was the word we heard over and over again in the early days of Shaka's hire? Relationships. Right. Relationships. I'm all about relationships. And so that's what he's building with the guys on his team. Right. And, granted, that's not to say there will never be a cut or never be a transfer out. But it is something he says he values, and it has played out so far a year and change in. Right. So you got to take him at his word in there, and so he's sticking with the guys he's got in. So as you said, his team is on the floor. Right. This is the team he's going to run with. Yeah, and it'll, and it'll be interesting. And again, this team, the talent pool is different than the talent pool this next the, the previous year. So I'll be curious to see what Shaka does from a, I guess I'll say a style perspective, right? Like, do they play faster? Do they... You know, do they play more pick and roll? Do they play less pick and roll? You know, what, you know, do they do they play right right soul at the five? Right, like if if you put Oso on the bench at some point because he needs a breather, and and you play right soul at the five, what does that look like? You know, that's you know that's that's kind of like on paper, depending on what the lineup is. That's a uh, you know that's a Golden State lineup of death in theory, but you know, depends on the, the talents, the, the key to making that work. So what, you know, again, you know, Shaka has a roster of players that are what they are. We'll see what, what the, the staff does to develop them, but it'll be curious to see how the style changes. Cause I think it's going to be a different style. I like, there's just, the roster is different than it was last year from a talent pool. 
Uh, maybe a little bit. I, I think, I think some of the key, I mean, I mean, some of the key, the basics are going to be there. I mean, obviously right. you start on the defensive end and you want to be a strong defensive team. And I think I, I sounds like one thing they were disappointed in towards the end of last year was the effort and, t- and intensity on defense. Mm-hmm. I think they want to find that again and yeah. make sure that is the backbone of this team. Um, and make sure all those guards are playing, especially the guards are playing at a level defensively that can right. allow those turnovers and just make this team be a pest. Um, and But, yeah, I, I think we're going to see a lot of similar things from Kolick, uh, hopefully a step forward from Cam Jones. We'll see who steps in uh, in those three, four minutes because uh, there are some certainly some options there. But I don't know if it will be drastically different style-wise. Um, from last year, but maybe it will be. I don't know. I, I just feel like there's more slashers and less shooters. Maybe. Uh, uh, on paper. Maybe. Again, we'll, we'll see what they actually develop as. I love somebody to, to be out and just be a pure shooter. I just don't see anyone that's like, hey, this is the three-point shooter. Right? Like, right, the yeah. closest is Tyler. Yeah. The, the, he might be our best shooter next year. Maybe, maybe, I mean, maybe Joplin could be, or maybe one of these freshmen could surprise me. But, yeah, I... I I tend to agree with that. Well, who knows? Ellis Moore, in a very, very yes, small sample true. size, that is true. he was an excellent shooter. Right. But we'll see. So Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting. That'll that'll be the fun part. What I do know is this summer is not times to analyze clips and extrapolate uh, player development. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, just show me those uh, those scrimmage clips and let me convince myself that everybody on the team is a first round pick. Correct. That's that's what I love to do in the summer. I also love uh, watching TBT in the summer. Uh, yes. The Golden Eagles, uh, if you're familiar with what we're talking about, the basketball tournament, TBT, it's a, sem- I guess you call it a semi-pro tournament, um, but it's uh, basically alumni teams, and Marquette has had a team in it every year. The Marquette alumni team won it a couple years ago, the 2020 year. Um, they haven't announced their official roster, but a couple of additions have been noted recently. Uh, Deontay Burton's going to be on the team this yep. year. Um, uh Travis Diener has been on the year, team in years past. I don't know if he's officially retired now. Uh, I don't. He's running the NIL program, and he's he's. I mean, he's our age, so yeah. he's 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 getting creaky and old. <laughs> yeah, but he can still he can still ball. Uh, we'll see with the rest. We've in the past we have seen guys like Jamil Wilson, Dwight Bikes, DJO, Darius Johnson, Odom on this team. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always curious. It's always just fun because there's a little bit of nostalgia to it. Like, hey, I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, so. Uh, that starts in July, I believe. Yes, so, it's, it's late July. They also added what they added another player, Caleb Wesson, which okay, they added that talent. He's a big, he's a big guy. Um, I think that's good. But what's noticeable is uh, notable about it is that's one of the guys from Ohio State, right? And Carmen's crew is the Ohio State alumni team. They are not playing in the TBT. So one one of the stalwarts of the TBT yes. that like that they've won it one year and they're always in the final four. Yeah, they're yeah. So I mean, Golden Eagles has been one of the better teams in yes. this thing for the last four or five years. Right. I mean, they were. Uh, they said they won it all two years ago. They were in the final the year before and lost. I think they got the semifinals a couple times. I forget how far they went last year. I want to say they got to the elite. They got eight. it to the elite eight. Elite, elite, elite yeah. but lost last year, but. Always fun to watch. I, I would note, I mean, it maybe maybe it's correlation, maybe not, but the one year they won it all, we did interview Joe Chapman. Mm. So we might want to think about, you I'll know. reach out to Joe. 
Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll get him on the show again. Maybe that might be our next pod. We'll see if we can get to do a little Zoom interview with Joe or whoever else is. Right, Ma- get Travis Diener to yeah. come in and talk about yeah, Miller Lite yeah, and we'll... uh, the uh, <laughs> and the NIL pe- yeah. uh, stuff he's yeah. doing. I think we're overselling ourselves and what we're capable of doing on this podcast. Yes, that's but, correct. Well, well, it is. Maybe we'll have a guest on the next pod and because uh, maybe get one in before TBT. Uh, I think any other notes we want to get out there? One more note I did at least want to give a shout-out in recognition because Marquette did lose a giant since our last podcast, yeah. and George Thompson passed away. For uh, I mean, I mean, he's before our time, obviously, Correct. before our time at Marquette. But for those of you who don't know who George Thompson was, for the younger crowd out there, he was Marquette's all-time leading scorer for almost 30 years. Yep. Uh, he played in the Marquette in the late 60s, so he was in like the early years of Al McGuire. He was on those teams. Really kind of helped raise the bar for future Marquette teams. Uh, Again, he set that scoring record by only, he only played three seasons at Marquette. Correct. Uh, Back in the day, the the freshman did not play. Yeah, so, and many, many players who played four seasons at Marquette did not catch George Thompson until Jarrell Jarrell McNeil did in the mid-2000s, and then, of course, Marcus Howard passed him. So I think George is now fourth because I think Lazar passed him too yeah Lazar did uh but uh still a giant in the history of the program I I met George briefly once when I was in student media and he was uh at the time he was the uh, radio uh, he was the color guy color guy with Homer yeah and so like I met he and Homer were sitting at um at like a, a media dining table uh, before the Conference USA tournament one year, and he just chatted with me. He's just a friendly guy. It's not like I got to know him too well, but I did have the pleasure of meeting him once, and he could not have been kinder. Yeah. Uh, and uh, everyone who knew him well uh, says the same. Yeah, and yeah. So- well, and, and he was, he, you know, he was kind of one of the, the, the voices I, you know, because, you know, again, we're old enough to remember, you know, to listen to games on the radio. You couldn't get every game on the TV and stuff like that. So it was Homer and, and, and George that... Uh, uh, that that were kind of the voice and and he just had a uh, an eclectic style. So before I even knew him as a player and went back, I knew him as a radio guy. So it was uh, you know he was to a certain extent uh, uh, kind of one of the, the the spirits of the program you know for a number of years. So you know un- unfortunate unfortunate that we lost him, but uh, you know hopefully hopefully maybe maybe in spirit he'll uh, he'll help this team along here this next season. Maybe so. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. so. You know, if for the, again, for those of you younger fans who are just not as familiar with George, when you look up at the rafters and you see number 24, yeah. that is in honor of George Thompson. So, uh, if you ever if you ever hear the nickname Brute Force, that was that was That's George. That so, was George. So. Uh, rest in peace to George Thompson. Yeah, but speaking of the numbers in the rafters, you see they brought down 11. Yes. And it is uh Now it, Tyler Kolick, number 11. Yeah, he's going to be wearing number 11 this year cuz th- this is just a, it was always just kind of a funny strange footnote in Marquette history that number 11 is retired. For those of you who don't know, you're thinking, wait, what player were number 11? Uh, well, none no player. Them. None of them. <laughs> uh, they retired it in honor of the Apollo 11 uh, mission to the moon, with the, the moon landing. Uh, and it was, I think it was a, um, I, I think it was kind of a marketing thing by the university and Al McGuire to, uh, you know, honor those astronauts and celebrate their achievement, which was a monumental thing in American history, of course, at the time. But it, it was always just kind of funny to me because it's not like, there was a Marquette alum on the right, ship. Like, right, right, like, right. Like, if Purdue did this, I would understand, because Neil Armstrong is the most famous Purdue alum right. ever, probably. Uh, and so if Purdue retired number 11 for Apollo, totally get it. But right. the fact that Marquette retired number right, 11, right. like, I mean, honoring and putting a banner up, I get, but retiring a number. Like, right. It just, it just always was kind of a funny thing. But they they have quietly unretired 
uh, number 11. So that one's back in the rotation, and Tyler Kolick's going to wear well, it this year. Let, I mean, let's be honest. Marquette has a history of shady and bungled uh, number retirement. Yeah, it, it happened. To, it's funny. Like We just talked about George Thompson. That happened. Right. To, uh, some previous coaching staffs, I think, had a miscommunication as far as what the rules were as far as Retiring numbers and honoring numbers where they retired forever and a number 24 was given to a couple players accidentally. So Lazar Hayward was going to be 24. And he he played one game with 24 when George Thompson was the voice on the radio. (laughs) And I remember listening to the game and he like he he was gracious about it. But he's like, huh, it's weird. Lazar, Lazar wearing a number that was retired. That's that's an interesting <laughs> choice. So so there was some fallout. So then they you know then Lazar switched to to thirty two. But yeah, Marquette Marquette doesn't have the best record. Yeah, I, you know maybe if you wanted to like maybe reset the the whole numbers thing, maybe that's a topic for another pod. But right, uh, the thing is if, if you either got to do them all at once, right? Like 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 bring them all down from the rafters, or just maybe set some bar. Do you think no, they, they were hoping no one would notice that all of a sudden the <laughs> Apollo 11 jersey was down? Yeah. Like, oh, what, what happened to 11? Yeah, I think I don't think anybody would be all that, like, people would probably be upset. Are there, ups- a, bit, are, are there a, bu- a bunch of uh, Buzz Aldrin super fans that are going <laughs> right. to be, like, 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 pissed? Put 11 back up there. This is yeah. ridiculous. Uh, no, I don't think anyone's going to be upset about it. I don't know why you would be. So, yeah, the number 11's back in the rotation. And, again, maybe a, I think Anonymous Eagle has written a few post about this maybe uh, a few times about if Marquette should rethink its number retirement policy because you can only retire so many numbers because right. what you there are only what 40 something numbers you can wear in college basketball well yeah because it's limited do you have to be able to make a individual hand single for each number like you have to yeah so, so like no six sevens eights or nines right so every every number on the jersey has to either be a zero one two three four or five right so some combo thereof right? yeah but so that's why you would never see a number six or a number eight or a number you know, 67 in college basketball, you would never see those numbers because a, an official can't make those hand signals. But it works in the NBA. Like Kobe wore eight. Right. You know, it, it works in the NBA for some reason, but they've never done it in college basketball. But because of that, you can't retire too many numbers because you're going to run out right. very quickly. So if you like, if you retire 30 guys' numbers, well, you're kind right. of out of numbers. So, uh, yeah, I think I like I like honoring numbers, well, like honoring I- jerseys. Some someday it's not this podcast, but someday we have to decide who is the Mount Rushmore of Marquette basketball players. It may be a topic for another day. You can hit us up with that on yes, our, on yeah. Your Twitter, who are but. who's your Mount Rushmore of Marquette basketball? Players? And I think a lot of young fans would be very you know biased towards the recency of right. Jimmy Butler and Jay Crowder and uh, Dwayne Wade, of course. Whereas you know fans who have been following the program for a long time might name all Al McGuire players and Dwayne Wade. You know, right. right. So it, it's a, uh, maybe, maybe some might have a case to leave Dwayne Wade out. I don't know if you're Ooh. an old hat. Uh, I don't know how you could, but if you're a maybe old school fan, maybe you could make that case, but uh, I could not. <laughs> I, guess what? If you're, if you're looking for the podcast that has why Dwayne Wade should not be on the Marquette Mount Rushmore, this is not this your is podcast. not that podcast. <laughs> it's not gonna be that he podcast. would be the first one on there for me. Yes, but uh, but yeah. So I, I think we talked enough, Phil, like uh, for an off season podcast with literally nothing going on, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> like where it's been super quiet. Yeah, I think I think and, we got a lot in, and uh, and I'm, hopefully it stays quiet. Yes, and and I'm tired of making eye contact with you. Yeah, I know this is weird. Like I like. <laughs> 
can like see when you want to start talking, and I can allow you to talk. Yeah, maybe maybe we got to do video or something. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, no one needs to see our faces. No, no, no one we, wants that. Don't worry, we will not be on YouTube. You do not have to smash that like button. It'll be <laughs> absolutely fine. not. We will not be doing that. But uh, we will, as always, be looking for your feedback on Twitter. Hit us up there, folks. I am Joe McCann. Three Phil is M O O O F twenty three at Crack Sidewalks is the team handle. You can go to cracksidewalks.com. We post the podcast there. You can leave comments on the dot com. We can go to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, rate, review, and subscribe. And we also have a Scrambled Eggs Facebook page. Uh, Phil, I think we've hit our two drink minimum. Um, well, since we've been drinking all day, I think it went pretty well. I mean, goodness gracious, yeah. <laughs> I mean, being here in Wisconsin, of course, I've had my fair share of spotted cow because I can't get those in Texas. Uh, enjoyed many of your fine brews here in the great state of Wisconsin. Probably get a few more before I get out of town, but uh, it's been great being here. Yeah, it's great, good to have you and a been a good podcast, and uh, we'll see where the where the summer takes us. All right, uh, we'll yeah, we'll make check in sometime in July with you folks. Maybe something TBT, and if there is any news with the roster, you never know. Yep. We have a history of this, Phil. Yes, that's of, true. Of recording, is there, is there news tomorrow? Maybe there will be breaking news on Monday. <laughs> we'll see. Oh God! Until next time, everybody. Seashells and balloons.